Welcome. In Parshas Ve'eschanan, Moshe Rabbeinu reviews with the people the events of Matan Torah, of the giving of the Torah. And two very obvious reasons for this are, number one, to help them remember the great events, the great revelation, the great experience of receiving the Torah, so that this will be an inspiration for them. And number two, so that they should remember and review the contents of the Asera Sadibrais that were pronounced at that time. We're going to concentrate uh, primarily on one Pasik, but let's begin a couple of Pesukim before it. Perik Dalit, Pasik Yudbeis. Vayedaber Hashem Aleichem Mitecha Ish. And Hashem spoke to you from the fire. This is Moshe Rabbeinu speaking. Hashem spoke to you from amidst the fire that was on top of Harsina. Called Varim Atem Shemim, a sound of words you heard, Usmunah in Chemraim, but a picture you did not see, Zulasi Ko, only a voice. And Hashem told you, He pronounced, to proclaimed to you His covenant, Asher Tziva Eschem that He commanded you to do, Aseris Advarim, literally the ten things. We are accustomed to calling them the Ten Commandments, although really uh, in those great svarim which count all the mitzvahs of the Torah, they, uh, I think all of them find actually more than Ten Commandments within the so-called Ten Commandments. I'm not going to quibble over that now, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu, uh, told you Ten Statements, and Hashem wrote them on two tablets of stones. And to me, Moshe, Hashem commanded at that time, to teach you uh, laws and regulations, we'll say, um, as, as we've discussed many times, chukim tend to be the kinds of laws which are harder to understand the reason for them, Mishpatim are those laws which are uh, where their reasons are more apparent. Okay, that's not our, going to be our issue in this in this shear. But a Kodesh Baruch who commanded me at that time to teach you the chukim and the mishpatim, the various kinds of laws, la seischem osam that you should do them ba'oritz in the land, asheratem oivrim shama the rishtar that you are crossing over there to inherit. Derech Agav, parenthetically, this does not mean that the laws are only in effect when you live in Eretz Yisrael. It means you will begin to truly be obligated in the laws when you reach Eretz Yisrael. From that point on, even if you should step out of Eretz Yisrael or step out of Eretz Yisrael for a long time, the, the laws still apply, except, of course, those laws which are very particular to the land of Eretz Yisrael. Okay. Let's see Rashi. Rashi comments on the words, Vosi Sivo Hashem, and to me, Hashem commanded, Ba'esahi, at that time, made Eschem, to teach you. And Rashi says, Torah Shiba'alpeh. This is referring to the Torah Shiba'alpeh, to the oral Torah. We know that we have two parts of the Torah. We have the Torah Shebiksav, the written Torah, that which is written in the Chumash, and we have 
Torah Shabbat There were oral, oral instructions and oral explanations that Hakadosh Baruch Hu gave to Moshe Rabbeinu at Har Sinai. There were explanations of what's written in the Torah Shabbat Sinai. There were also, also uh, certain laws that we refer to as Halach Lamoshim Sinai, where they are not referred to at all in the written Torah, but they are simply rules and laws that Hakadosh Baruch Hu gave to Moshe Rabbeinu orally, and he passed them to pass them down to Yeshua and Yeshua to the Zakanim and the Nevi'im, etc. And eventually, we have them. Rashi here is saying that this phrase Hashem Eschem, is referring to the Torah Shabbat And I would like to raise on this Pasuk and on this Rashi four questions. The first question is a grammatical question. If you look at the verbs in the in these psukim, most of them are in the usual, what I call the narrative form, and he spoke. We've discussed this many times. Yidaber really means he will speak. The vav at the beginning is called the vav hamahapech. It, it, it converts the verb from a future tense to a past tense or sometimes vice versa. So vayidaber means and he spoke and Hashem spoke and Hashem spoke. Vayaged, and he told you, and he pronounced to you again. Yaged would re really means he will tell you, but vayaged means he told you. And vayichdevim, and he wrote them. So this is a narrative. Moshe Rabbeinu is telling them a story. It's a story that they themselves experienced, but he's the format is storytelling. Of course, it's a true story. But nonetheless, the grammatical form that, you know, that is used is the narrative grammatical form. Until we come to this verb over here. Vosit sivo Hashem. And to me, Hashem sivo. Now, it doesn't say, Vayitzaveh Hashem osi. That would be following in the same grammatical pattern, same grammatical form that was used in the other psukim. But it does not say that. It says, Vosit sivo. This is what I refer to and others refer to as the Ovar Kal. It's a simple past tense. And my question is, why? Why did the Torah change from the narrative form of verbs? All of a sudden, over here, it changes to the uh, Ovar Kal, to the simple past tense. We'll talk more about this even before we come to any kind of an answer. But that's question number one. Question number two. What is the precise meaning of these words, ba'es kahi, at that time? Exactly which time is being referred to? Okay, question number three. What is, what is the exact meaning of hukim umishpatim? Which laws and regulations are being referred to? Because these are not what I would call kashas. They are not difficulties. They are simply requests for information. But I think they are very obvious and necessary requests for, for information. And number four is on Rashi. How did Rashi know that, that the teaching of the Kukimu Mishpatim that is mentioned here refers to the Torah Shabbat Peh? Uh, we will see soon, I'll mention it right now, Ibn Ezra, Ramban, others 
They say that the Pusik means that HaKadosh Baruch who pronounced the Aseris Akbar, he pronounced the Aseris Akbar. Okay, we know what those are. Those are written in the Torah, written very soon after these Pesukim. And then Pusik Yudavid is saying that Hashem commanded me to teach you other laws. Of course, uh, the Aseris Adivrais contains, uh, let's say it contains um, 13 mitzvahs, approximately, depending on how you count. Okay, but there's another approximately 600 other mitzvahs in the Torah. So that's what it's saying here, that Hashem commanded me to teach you all of the other laws in the Torah, the other 600 approximately. Not the Torah Shabbat Peh, of those laws necessarily, but simply to teach you those laws. There's a law not to not to eat pork, and there's a law to, uh, I mean, there are many, many laws in the Torah besides the Aseris Adibrais, and there's a law to uh, to slaughter a paraduma, and I mean, there's there hundreds of laws, literally. So some of the say that that is the, that is the identity, that is the reference of these words, Fukum Mishpatim. Rashi, uh, somehow understood that what's being said over here is not that a Kaddish world who commanded me, to teach you all the other laws in the Torah that are not in the Aseris Adibros, but rather for this world who commanded me to, to teach you the Torah Shabbat Alpeh. That's question number four. Let's go back to question number one. And Let's talk a little bit about the different kinds of Lushan Avar, of past tense. Okay, we know the, the, the most common form in the Torah is this narrative form, Vayedaber, Vayaged, Vayechtevein. But then there's something called the Avarkal, like Siva, Omar, Diber. When is that used? And in my investigations, which I've been concentrating a lot on in the last year or two approximately. Uh, I've been categorizing the different uses of this form. And there are, I'm going to discuss today three of the uses. There are probably more, but three of the most common uses. One of them is called by Mephoshim, the Ovar Mukdam, or in English, it would be called the past perfect. This form of the verb is sometimes used to refer to a past tense, to a past event that happened even before the events which are written just before it. So, for example, we find in Sefer Bracious, Perik Dalet, Pasuk Aleph, after the Torah narrates to us the whole story of the creation of the world and the creation of mankind and the story of Odom and Chava in Gan Eden, and Hashem told them not to eat from a certain tree, and unfortunately they did, and they received various curses, for their efforts. Okay. And then the Pasuk says, Adam yoda ishto. And the man knew, meaning he had marital relations with Chava, his wife, and she became pregnant and she gave birth to Kayan and so forth and also to Hevel and on and on. Rashi takes note of this form. It doesn't say Adam es ishto. That would have been the more common way of saying it. But instead, it says, first of all, it puts the subject of the sentence first. And then it says, Yada, in that of our call, in that simple form of the past tense. 
So Rashi there comments. This action of this act of the Adam Yoda, this that the Adam quote unquote knew his wife, it took place even before the matter that is narrated above. Meaning, it took place before the Adam sinned, and before he was uh, banished from Ganadin. And similarly, the pregnancy and the birth of Cain. That, that, we're going to leave that in parentheses for the moment. That's somewhat debatable, but this is Rashi's opinion that everything in this Pasuk took place before all of the events that have already been told to us. How does Rashi know this? If the Pasuk would have written in that more common narrative form, so Nishma, it would have been heard, it would have been understood, that would have meant that after he was banished from Ganadin, he then had relations with his wife and she bore him these children. But since it says Adam Yoda in this form, so that is what we call the Over Muktam. That's the past perfect. It means that this event is like a flashback. It's going backwards even before certain events that have already been told to us. That's one use, one use of the Over Muktam. Another usage that I've discovered, I call it Bobizman, actions that happen at the same time, simultaneous actions. Here's an example from Parshas um, Truma, actually from Parshas uh, Bayakel, where the Torah is narrating to us the construction of the Mishkan. And in most places, it uses the normal narrative tense, like at the beginning of this Pasuk, Bayas Lulois and he made, the craftsman made hooks of tchelis, of tchelis thread on the edge of one curtain. They had these big curtains which, cover, which lay over the top of the, the mishkan and then draped down the sides. And they were sewn together into two, into two curtains. The, the curtains were fairly narrow and long. But then they would sew together five over here and then sew together these five over here. So you now had these two very big curtains. And now these two marachos, these two collections of curtains had to be joined. How did they do that? They made little rings of fabric on this side, little lulois, little hooks. And they made little hooks on this side of the other machberis, of the other collection of ureis, of curtains. And then they Hook them together in the middle. So here it says, And he made techeles hooks on the edge of one Uriah, on the edge of one machveris, on the edge of one collection of five, uh, five curtains. So he made a whole bunch of lulois over here on the edge. Cain saw. And so he made the Svasa Yeria Hakitsaino on the edge of the outer curtain, Bamachberis Ashenis, on the other uh, collection. So he made a bunch of hooks over here, and then he made a bunch of hooks over here. And now you can join the two sections together. So you have one huge curtain. Now, regarding 
The first bunch of hooks, it says, by Yas, can't he mate? But regarding the second bunch, it changes to this of our call. It says, Cain Asa. In my humble opinion, I had not seen this in, in commentaries, but in my humble opinion, the reason why the second verb, Cain Asa, is not in the narrative tense is because the narrative tense would indicate that first, the craftsman made 50 hooks over here. And then when he finished that, he went over here and he made 50 hooks over here. When you use the narrative form, it indicates things happening consecutively. First this, A, then B, then C, then D. But it's very, I think, I think the Torah is using the asa. It is using the, the uh, avarkal to tell us that these two actions did not necessarily happen one and then afterwards the other. There could have been a craftsman or a whole team of craftsmen putting the hooks on this curtain over here. At the same time, simultaneously, you could have another tailor or another team of tailors putting in the hooks over here. These are simultaneous actions. And even if in fact, maybe they weren't done simultaneously, but I don't think there was a requirement that they had to be done first one and then the other. They could be done at the same time. It is not a chain of events which must be done in a certain sequence. They could be done at the same time. And maybe the Torah is telling us that they were done in the same time. And therefore it uses this of our call to tell us about two events that happened at the same time. Another usage of the other call is what I uh, what I call and I found the same words are almost the same words in some commentators. Let's take a look at this passage also in Parshas Vayakov. And he made curtains of goat hair. This is a different set of curtains. There was one set of curtains that lay right over the top of the Mishkan and then a second set that sat on top of them. So the upper set were made out of Uriah's Ezim. It says, Vayas, he made them. Narrative, narrative form of the verb. Al HaMishkan, on the Mishkan. Ashtei Esrei Yiriyos Aso Oisa. Eleven curtains he made them. Now, the second verb in, in the Pasuk, Aso, is in this Avarkal. It is in this uh, simple past form. Simple past tense. Why? So I believe the reason is because it is not telling us of a new event. It is going back and explaining a previous event that was just made. The first event is that the craftsman made curtains of goat's hair. Now the passage just comes to clarify. How did he make them? He made them in 11 sections. He made actually 11 curtains. Beginning of the Pasuk says he made curtains. The second half of the Pasuk is saying, exactly how is that? He made 11 of them. So here also, it is in the past, it is in the simple past tense, because it is not a consecutive chain of events. It's not that he first made the, the, the curtains, and then he stopped, he paused, and then he said, let me make 11 of them. No, he already did make 11 of them. It's not a sequence of events. It is... It is going back and explaining something. Those are some of the major uh, possibilities to, to understand why the Torah sometimes uses this 
of our cuff. And we're still, we still have the question on the table, why did the Torah use the Avarkal in this passage that we are studying in Parshas Ve'eschanan? Hashem, and Hashem commanded me at that time to teach you the Chukim Mishpatim. Okay. Let's attack questions B, C, and D. Well, again, we're going to leave this question about the past tense on the table. We've, we've learned a little bit about it, but without getting an answer. But we are now going to go to the next three questions. Let's review quickly what the other three questions are. Question B was, what is the exact meaning of Ba'esahi at that time? Question C, what exactly are the Chukim Mishpatim that the Pasuk is referring to? And question D, how did Rashi know that the Torah here is referring to the Torah Shabbat the Mizrahi, Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Eliezer Mizrahi, in his great super commentary on Rashi, says that really, looking at the Pasuk, in simplicity, looking at it, it seems that Chukim and Mishpatim should be referring to all of the mitzvahs besides those that are included in the Aseris Adibras. And he quotes Ibn Ezra, who says that. However, says Rabbi Eliezer Mizrahi, the problem with that approach is these two words, Ba'esahi, at that time. Mizrahi tells us that the other 600 odd mitzvahs, besides those that are in the Aseris Adibras, all those other mitzvahs were not given to Moshe Rabbeinu exactly at the time of Mount Torah. They were not given on Vav Sivan when the lightning and the thunder was on the mountain and the cloud of Hashem descended and, and all of that great experience. They were not given exactly at that time. They were given during the next 39 days. By the time Moshe Rabbeinu came down from the mountain, he had all of that information. He had Tefillin and he had Baraduma and he had, and he had, he had everything by that time. But that was, be, that was given to him a little bit later. But the, but the words, but Esahi, Mizrahi uh, claims, refer very specifically to that day and then those moments when the Aseris Adibrites were being transmitted. And therefore, Rashi did not want to say that the words Chukim and Mishpatim are referring to all the other mitzvahs. It's really they were given later. What does Rashi say? He says the words Chukim and Mishpatim are referring to the Torah Shabbat We'll read a few words of the Mizrahi here. He says, Shar mitzvahs v'achukim le'tziva isam l'moshe ve'esahi. The other mitzvahs and the other chukim, other than those that are in the Aseris Adibrais, were not given to Moshe Rabbeinu at that time. Amoireh, al-Mamad Harsina. That time, Ba'esahi refers to Mamad Harsina. Rak b'mem yoyim she'omad v'harachar Mamad Harsina. They were given to him during the 40 days that he stood at Harsinai afterwards. Well, the Fikach, therefore, therefore Rashi found it necessary to explain that the words for Hashem refer to It means that HaKadosh Baruch Hu explained and elucidated to Moshe Rabbeinu all of the ten things, all of the 10 statements 
Shinemru be'esahi, that were said at that time, on that day, all of their general principles and all of their specific details, and all of the mitzvahs that are included in them. He's following here a, an idea which Rashi quotes in Parshish Mishpatim from Rabbeinu Sadi Ga'in, that the Ten Commandments, the Aseris Adibres, actually contain within them all of the 613 mitzvahs. They hint at all of them. Any one of the 613 mitzvahs can be found to be really a subcategory of one of the Aseris Adibres. Rabbeinu Sadi Ga'in explain that. We're not going into that now. Rashi himself doesn't go into it. But any mitzvah you find in the Torah, it's really a subcategory of Anoichi Hashem or it's a subcategory of Shomor Hashem HaShabbos, or it's a subcategory of Kiburav, and so on. So the Mizrahi is saying that what did HaKadosh Baruch Hu give to Moshe Rabbeinu besides the Aseris Advarim themselves? He gave him the Torah Shabbat gave them the explanations. He explained to him all of the mitzvahs that are like branches of the Aseris Adibrais. And he gave to him all of their details. All the Esahi. How is it possible that Moshe Rabbeinu could comprehend all of this all in that uh, few moments that it took for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to pronounce the Aseris Adibrais? I don't know. How could he have? How could he understand that all in forty days is also impossible for us to understand? But that was all transmitted. The Mizrahi says all the at that time, and the Mizrahi is saying that the two most important words, as far as Rashi is concerned, are the at that time. Rashi saw those words the He said, "What? What was given to Moshe Rabbeinu exactly at that time? Not all the other mitzvahs, but." It, HaKadosh Baruch who gave him the Torah Shabbat regarding the Aseris HaDibras. Now we have now answered, if we can now answer according to this, our first, our, our questions number B, C, and D. We know, we can say now that Ba'esa uh, he refers to the moment of Maimed, of, of Maimed Harsinai, the moments of Hashem giving the Aseris HaDibras. That's what's called the Esahi. And question C, what are the Chukim and Mishpatim that are being referred to? It's all the laws that are subcategories and that are Torah Shabbat Peh, that are explanatory of the Aseris Adibras. And how did Rashi know that we're talking here about the Torah Shabbat Peh of the Aseris Adibras? <coughs> he knew it because of these words, the Esahi. Now that we have answered those questions, I think we can go back and we can answer our first question. Why does the Torah use this of our cow? Vo si si vo. And me, he commanded. The answer is, the answer flows very simply from this approach. It is a bizman. It is a reference to simultaneous, simultaneous actions. But Esahi, at that time, in those few moments that are called Baruch was giving, was pronouncing and proclaiming the Aseris Adibrais, and that's all that you heard. The Rashi's opinion is really they only heard the first two. Others say they heard all 10. Okay, we're not going to quibble over that. But you only heard a small 
a small little snippet. But O.C., to me, Moshe Rabbeinu, Siva Hashem at that time, a whole mareches, a whole volumes full of Torah Shabbat of explanatory information regarding the Aseris Adibras. These two things took place simultaneously. It's not like Hashem first did one and then he did the other. No, it was all happening at one moment. But And therefore, when you have events that happen not in sequence, but happen rather simultaneously, the Torah will use the Lushan of our Kal. It will use the simple past tense. It will use a word like Sivo or Asa or Diber. And that's what the Torah does here. Okay, what about Ramban? Ramban and Ibn Ezra, they both say the same thing. They say that they disagree with Rashi, and they say Chukim Umishpatim refers to the other mitzvahs of the Torah. And the Mizrahi has a question on that. How could that, but that didn't happen by Esahi. Hashem did not give to Moshe Rabbeinu all the other mitzvahs of the Torah on that day on Vav Sivan. He gave it to them on the following days, the next 39 days, but not at, not by Esahi, not at that moment. How will Ramban, for example, answer that question and the Ibn Ezra as well? Well, we can say a very uh, simple answer that maybe they disagree about the meaning of the words by Esahi. Maybe by Esahi doesn't mean that moment or those few moments of the, of the pronouncement of the proclamation of the Aseris of Difference, maybe it refers to the whole time that they were standing in Harsina, for at least those first 40 days. Maybe all of that is called the Esahi. That's one possibility. I think there's another possibility, which I'm not sure about, but I think it's a very fascinating possibility. If we look carefully at the Ramban, we'll see something very interesting. The Ramban is actually on a Pasuk, Tupsukim earlier on, Pasuk Yud base. He's describing um, the Lamat and Torah and the things that the Psukim say about it, and the Kodesh Baruch who gave the Aseris at Dibrais, which is essentially 10 or 10 or 12 or 13 mitzvahs altogether. And then Ranban says, Ushar ha mitzvahs, all of the other mitzvahs, the other approximately 600 mitzvahs, Siva o Siva Esahila Lamedeschem, he commanded me at that time to teach you. Because I was already trustworthy, I already became certified as a Navi to Hashem, through this that you saw. Meaning, you saw the fire on Harsinai, and you saw the cloud of the Shrina descending on Harsinai, and you heard a Kaddish Baruch pronouncing, proclaiming to me and to you. So you see that I'm a Navi, you see that Hashem speaks to me. Kamesha Omar, as it says in the Pasik, the Gam Yaminu Prior to Matantura, Kodish Baruch who tells Mesh Rabinu, I'm going to come down and I'm going to speak to you and I'm going to speak to the people, and then they'll believe in you forever. They'll see that you're a Navi, and they will always trust that you're a Navi. Now, if you look carefully at Ramban, he doesn't say that at the moment on the day of the proclamation of the Yasera Sadibras. Hashem actually gave to Moshe Rabbeinu all of the other mitzvahs, all of the, the rest of the 613. doesn't actually say that. 
one might have concluded that from the Pusik, but Van in his paraphrasing of the Pusik doesn't say that really. What he says is that at that time, on that day, I became certified to be a Navi to transmit to you the rest of the mitzvahs. Perhaps what he means is that in fact, really, all of the other mitzvahs were not given at that day, but it's as if they were given, meaning since on that day I became certified, I, Moshe Rabbeinu, became certified as the Navi to transmit Torah to Paul Yisrael, so it is, uh, it is possible for the Pasuk to say that Hashem commanded me that day to teach you all of the other mitzvahs. He didn't actually give me the mitzvahs. He gave me the mitzvahs the next day and the next day and the next day. But he commanded me, he appointed me to be the one to teach you all of those mitzvahs. When? When did he do that? He did that at the moment, at that great thundering and moment of lightning and thunder of Martin Turk. Perhaps that's uh, the way we have to understand Ranban. But before we conclude, I think there's a very important point that's implicit in, in, in these psukim and in this Rashi, and I think it's true even according to Ranban. There is a conception that we have, many of us anyway, I, I plead guilty as well. We very often imagine that the Torah Shabbat, the Torah the written Torah, came first. Hashem gave us the written Torah. Then there's something called Torah Shabbat. Kodesh Baruch who gave certain explanations, and he also uh, the, the rabbis started to uh, the Chachamim started to to read the Torah Shabbat, read the Torah Shabbat, and to explain it. And sometimes they disagreed and. But we imagine that the Torah Shabbat came later. It's a later commentary on the Torah Shabbat. And in truth, when we learn Rashi, when we learn Rashi's commentary on the Torah, that's, that's, that is the correct way to learn it. We, we first look at the Psukim, and we should look at it very carefully, and should, we, we should raise the important questions that the text causes us, that the text forces us to raise. And then Rashi answers those questions in his, in his way. But we do start with the Torah Shabbat and then we move on to the Torah Shabbat And we don't want anything in the Torah Shabbat to be anything less than a faithful and accurate text-true explanation of what it says in the Torah Shabbat That That is the, the Derech Halima. That, that's how we learn Rashi and other Mephosh. But historically, that, that's not really... That's not really historically how it happened. We see in this Pasek, it's really implicit in these Psukim, the Rashi, Rabban, I don't care which commentary you're really looking at. You really see here that Teresh Baal Peh came first because HaKadosh Baruch Hu proclaimed the Aseris Adibras on Vav Siva. Even those were not given to us in written form until, well, it was supposed to be given 40 days later on Yud Zayin Betamuz. But uh, there's a little problem, something called the Chet Egel, and Moshe Rabbeinu smashed them. And then uh, eventually, eventually, a second version was written on stone and eventually was given to us on Yom Kippur of that year. But, okay, so the Misa, even the Aseris Advorim, the Aseris Adibris, were not given in written form until months later. What did, the, what did we have on that day of Mount Turbo? 
we had really what, what is Torah Shabbal Peh. But the Shabbal told us orally the Aserah Sadibras. According to Rashi, he also told to Moshe Rabbeinu many, many more details. He gave him all the details of the of the Aserah Sadibras and all of these subcategories and, and, and laws and regulations that are part of them. All orally. He didn't write it down. When was the Torah written down as we know it? Really at the end of Moshe Rabbeinu's lifetime, where Yitz Hashem in the weeks and months to come, we'll eventually get to those psukim where the, where, the, where the Torah tells us that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote down the whole Torah and gave it to Klai So That's the Sefer Torah that we lift up and that we read from today. That all came later. But during the 40 years in the Midbar, essentially what, what was there to learn? There was the written Aseris um, Adibrois. Uh, the average person didn't have an opportunity to go look at them every time he had a question, but they did exist in writing. And there was Torah Shiva'al Peh. So when we study Torah Shiva'al together with Torah Shiva'al Peh, in a certain sense, it's the opposite of what we think. We have to look at the Torah Shiva'al and make sure that it conforms to the Torah Shiva'al Peh. Because they were learning Torah Shiva'al Peh for, for, for 40 years before they got it all in writing. And then um, as Rev. Rev Hirsch explains, the Torah Shabbat, the Torah Shabbat, pardon me, is sort of like lecture notes. Of course, they are lecture notes prepared by Kodesh Baruch but they are like lecture notes representing the much longer lecture. You go to a three-hour lecture on psychology, whatever it is, and you take notes, even if you're a copious note-taker, but it shouldn't take you three hours to read through the notes. You only write down the most important parts and you write them in with abbreviations and you shorten everything so that you have only the major points. That's what the Torah Shabbat is. It is a written representation of what? Of the entirety of the Torah, which really begins with the Torah Shabbat.